Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechtel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus. And we talk about the representation of women in films. Yeah, what if this started 25 years from now <gasps> and we were reflecting on how we used to do the Bechtel cast and then we always promised that we we're going to continue doing to, to come back and come back anytime there was reunion. discourse to be had <laughs> that we would show well, Jamie, up and start doing it. Jamie, let's make that pact right now. Truth or dare? Truth. Are you happy? <laughs> no, not Same. really. All right. I guess we're done here. Uh, this is our famous movie podcast. We use the Bechdel test as mm-hmm. our jumping out point for discussion. Bechdel test, sometimes called the Bechdel Wallace test, is a media metric invented by cartoonist Alison Bechdel mm-hmm. that requires that there be two female identifying characters in a piece of media with names that talk to each other about something other than a man for more than two lines of dialogue. Can it be done? Sometimes. 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 In this movie. Yeah. Quite a bit. I was I was, I, was, I, was, I thought you were about to be like it doesn't. It I was doesn't. like, oh my god! I was like, wait a second. <laughs> no. Did we see the same movie? Oh, well, my you're god. spoiling it at the top. But I mean, <sighs> I mean, I still think that it's really funny whenever someone is like, "So, do you just talk about the Bechdel test?" I'm like, what would that conversation <laughs> yes. even sound like for an hour and a half? We just argue with each other, <laughs> like one text pro, one Maybe text con, when it's an indisputable thing. Through every single line of dialogue in the movie, and be like, "Does that one pass?" No, no. it doesn't, because Michael <laughs> Shannon said it. Moving on, like it's just like what. <laughs> I think I'm getting into Michael Shannon. Oh, well, Knives Out is a great film. He's good in it. I didn't, I confused him with many other Michaels, and you mm-hmm. can't blame me, but I uh, I think I'm getting into Michael Shannon. I'm this doesn't pass the It does not, but I'm surprised you weren't into him starting with Shape of Water. I know. Well, because I kept confusing him with Michael Stolbarg because it's too close. Oh, sure. It's too close in name, too much Michael <laughs> representation in that movie, just a uh-huh. note. From me. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the Bechdel cast. 
And uh, as always, we have a wonderful guest with us. Certainly do. Today. Uh, she's one of my dearest friends. She's a photographer extraordinaire. She's a circus historian. She's the absolute best. It's Callie Biggerstaff. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Oh, Thanks we're for so being excited here. to have you. Yeah. Thanks and for having me. Well, we're bringing, we're doing a movie that um, you were very, very passionate about recommending. <laughs> and I was like, well, just come on and talk about it. Because yeah, you were like, I when are it. you going to do a now and then episode? So, so have all of our fans. Everyone. I did not know that this thing existed, and I will disappoint in this episode. <laughs> uh, so, Callie, what's your history with Now and Then? 1995 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I watched it in the theaters, and I think, and I told you this, that I remember watching it, and Demi Moore was smoking, and I was like, oh, that is cool. And re-watching <laughs> right. it, I was like, I definitely started smoking because of this movie. <laughs> Wow, um, which is influential horrible. media. <laughs> oh my god! But cool at the time. So, sure. um, but yeah, I think to me it seemed like like the Sandlot, Stand by Me merge for ladies. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it was a sweet teenage film for me. And yeah. I, I think it's cute. It, I mean, it has its moments and it has its like camaraderie thing. There's a personality for everyone in there. I think. Yeah. And problematic parts. Also. Oh, yes. We'll talk about <laughs> what? it. What? What? <laughs> some some B. Frazier. Brendan Frazier also is not credited in the movie. I was oh. watch, I watched it all the way through with the credits. I paused because I'm like, how? I Because I was playing this game I play with myself sometimes called How High in the Credits is Brendan Frazier? Sure. Because mm-hmm. depending on the year, it really fluctuates, uh-huh. right? And in this movie, he's not credited at all. Incredible. I know. Caitlin, what's your history with now and then? I grew up with this movie, although I will say that I have not seen it in probably 20 or more years. Not Mm -hmm. unlike the span of time between when we see them Mm. as girls and when we see them as adults. You're now and thening now and then. Exactly. That Mm. is true. Um, So I hadn't rewatched it probably since I was around the age of the characters, which is 12. But prior to that, it wasn't a movie that we ever had like on VHS at, at my house or anything, but it is a huge like girl sleepover staple movie. So I would go to sleepovers and it would be on all the time so i would watch this movie often at sleepovers interesting and i always rather enjoyed it but again haven't seen it in many many years what's your history jamie uh, i think this is one of those weird movies that it came out it like our age gap is not large but it it is felt all the difference i did not know this movie existed wow okay. uh, that's and, a shame until callie told me it was on netflix <laughs> I didn't know that it existed. I told I did not know it was the genre of movie it was. I didn't know who was in it. Yeah, I was I mean I was like 2 when it came out, so I didn't see it. It just missed me. Mm. So I watched it to prepare for this episode. And you know, I love female representation. This is I feel bad cuz I've like I did the same thing on the the Little Women episode. Yeah. And you're like it's wonderful. Coming of age, I love it. But coming of age for anyone of any gender can be kind of boring. <laughs> Not always the most fun thing to watch, especially when like this group of young women, they don't have actual I mean, well, I would say maybe one of them has problems Uh-oh. that are significant. Mm-hmm. But most of them are like, oh, no. Like, it's just very, 
you're like, oh, okay, they're going to be fine. And then we see that, guess what? They're fine. They're fine. They're yeah. fine. Everyone's fine. Sure. I mean, the stakes don't the feel stakes, high. Yeah. No, they're but not they high. rarely are in coming of age stories. Right. I think that just comes with the territory. It's just not my genre. I see. But uh, yeah, so uh, my history is I watched it. Good. <laughs> Good. Great. Good history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a widely beloved movie. It uh, is. is. I would say one of our top requests of all time. Yes. We've gotten this request more frequently than almost any movie. So let's dive in, shall we? Let's do it. I've got the recap here. We meet the four main characters who are Roberta. She is played by Christina Ricci as a youth and by Rosie O'Donnell as an adult. Mm-hmm. Teeny is Thora Birch and Melanie Griffith. Samantha is Gabby Hoffman and Demi Moore. And Chrissy is Ashley Aston Moore and Rita Wilson. It's crazy that everyone like hitters 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 mm-hmm. in the Star. youth yeah. task Cast. and the oh, yeah. it's but you couldn't have known Mm-mm. that the child stars were were here <laughs> they <laughs> there are. they were i mean yeah every person in this movie delivers a pretty phenomenal performance yeah. i would say yeah especially brendan fraser <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I could go on about that for hours there uh, there's so many what is what is this trope of because we just covered it in Home Alone as well. Of like, you know that neighbor that you get bad energy from who's terrifying to you? You it's, should talk to them. I'm like, what <laughs> kind of lesson is that? It's the, I know what it, they're going for. Yeah. But it could lead to death. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Boo Radley trope. Exactly. It is. Yeah. 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 So with this movie, it is present. I know. I mean, I'm like, I don't want to discourage people from... Talking to their elders. Talking and... to people and, and become and being empathetic. And right. Like, but in the same token, there is a actually do talk to strangers. <laughs> Especially if they are going to save your life. I also, what do they call the neighbor in this movie? Crazy Pete. Okay. I think he killed his family. <laughs> That's my hottest take I about now. I, the rest of the time. I <laughs> think that Dear Johnny is the new his wife. In terms of gravestone literature. Absolutely. And I think that Pete killed his family and feels really bad. Um, I did have that thought as well. Really? Yes. I, like, mm-hmm. The way he's presented, I mean, I, he has a heroic moment. He saves Christina Ricci from the gutter that um, she jumped It's in. Gabby Hoffman. Yeah, but Gabby, yeah. ugh, I also struggled with that because <laughs> yes. they look very similar as children. Mm-hmm. I think Pete killed his family for sure. Not a Perhaps. doubt in my mind. He's living with the... I'm like, what about... Okay. It makes it sound like he was a suspect in the murder because mm-hmm. he says to them oh i don't like seeing people and people don't like seeing me i was like because you went to trial like mm-hmm. i think that maybe they should have looked at more microfiche and figured out like was he a top suspect for this because they don't say who killed they don't they don't Dear ever Johnny. find out who killed but they but he was the one to discover the bodies and i don't remember what mm-hmm. movie it is that i just saw and it actually might be <laughs> the knives out oh. that the a character says you always look at the person who found the body as a suspect yes is it is that knives out I think it's that in like other stuff in other, too. Yeah, but like I, I was thinking of the staircase because oh, I was sure. always thinking about the staircase. I was <laughs> like, uh, yeah, nineteen in the nineteen forties, way easier to cover up a murder. Sure. Also, mm-hmm. and he's and when he was like, I shouldn't have been at that bar. I was like, oh, you killed your family. <laughs> In a drunken frenzy. Right? And Melanie Griffith is, is sending him money for years, this right. murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That is a pretty hot take. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Anyways, what is the movie about? (laughs) So um, we first see these characters as girls in 1970 in Shelby, Indiana. They're best friends. We see them playing Red Rover. Then we cut to them as adults. They are getting together because they had made a pact that whenever they needed each other, they would be there for each other. And right now, Chrissy needs them to be around because she is about to have a baby. So we see um, Teeny, that is, again, uh, Melanie Griffith. She is a famous actress. Uh, Roberta is Rosie O'Donnell. She's an OBGYN. And Samantha Demi Moore is a sci-fi novelist and also the narrator of the movie. Mm -hmm. So then we cut back to them in the summer of 1970 when they are 12. We get little glimpses of their lives, uh, like Samantha's parents are fighting a lot, and then her dad will eventually leave. Roberta doesn't like how big her boobs are getting, so she tapes them down. Um, She lives with her dad and brothers because her mom died when she was four. Um, Tina is the only child. She has rich parents who are never around. She likes to dress up and be glamorous. (laughs) And uh, Chrissy, whose mom is played by Bonnie Hunt, comes in and gives her the sex talk, but she uses very coded language about flowers and watering cans. Um, Then we meet the Wormers, this group of... Devin Sawa. Uh Peak Devin Sawa. Devin Sawa. This is the same year that Casper comes out, which is another romance between Devin Sawa and Christina Ricci. Ricci. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. No coincidence Casting. Mm -hmm. Lazy casting (laughs) alert. Christina Ricci rules. Yes, I like her a lot. Um, But they are this group of, I think, brothers who tease and torment the girls. Uh, They're throwing water balloons full of green jello at them. The leader is Scott, Devin Sawa. And the girls, they're saving up money to buy a treehouse. They're $23 away. We see them at a diner reading Cosmo. Their server is Willa Dean. Janine Garofalo. Great, bizarre role. I loved it. Mm -hmm. You're like, yep, the two scenes feels about right for this character. (laughs) Uh What is going on? Love it. So then the girls are like, let's do a seance. They go to the cemetery. They see the grave of Dear Johnny or Dear Johnny. Dear Johnny. His wife. (laughs) Dear Johnny. (laughs) Large font. Large, Mm -hmm. large font. Because we find out the character's real name, or the the boy's real name, which is Jonathan Sims, but that is not what's on his gravestone. On his gravestone says, Dear Johnny! (laughs) (laughs) All caps. And this, I will say, predates The Rock by a year. So whose (gasps) idea was Literally, Michael Bay saw Now and Then and stole. (laughs) There's no way Michael Bay saw Now and Then. He was like, more than one woman's in it, and she's clothed, skipping it. Like, there's no way he saw it. But I like this theory. Dear Johnny. (laughs) It's such a, like, prop tombstone. Uh It really... Oh, yeah. Um... (laughs) So, dear Johnny died when he was a child in the 1940s, and they think they've conjured up his spirit. I also believed that they had conjured up his spirit. It was pretty convincing. Well, because, like, lightning strikes a nearby tree and... Getting the craft energy from it a little bit. Yeah, wind is blowing. It's very spooky. I saw no tractor. Did you? I thought no. no tra- I that thought the tractor was shit. a cop out. My guess was that he like came later that night after they had left and then broke the. I think so, so. They were both right. Mm, I think so. 
I, I thought there was real magic afoot, and I was disappointed when it was revealed <laughs> like to me. They were like, anyways, magic isn't real. Fast forward 25 years. You're like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> It's so disappointing. Um, and then they also see Crazy Pete, as they call him, and he's riding around on his bicycle, and they freak out, and they run away. Yes. And then I think it's later that night, or maybe the following night, but a what seems like a ghostly presence comes into Samantha's room. So she rounds up the girls, and they go back to the cemetery, and this is when they find out that uh, dear Johnny's grave has been smashed. Uh, and they think that he's definitely out and about... Just hanging around town. Mm-hmm. Um, hanging around town. How, as ghosts do. Sure, yeah. sure. And they want to learn more about dear Johnny's death, but they have to ride their bikes to the nearby town of Greenfield mm-hmm. uh, to go through their old newspaper archives. On the way, they stop for some lunch. They play truth or dare. They talk about sex. Chrissy, again, doesn't really know how sex works because she's talking about flowers and watering cans, and they kind of they laugh at her. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Then a bird shits on Chrissy's head. So they go to a pond to wash it off. They go swimming. Roberta fakes her death as a joke. Chrissy gets really mad at her and punches her in the face. There's uh, a lot of punching. A lot of, a lot pun- of punching. I can't wait to talk about all the punching. There's and a I'm lot. not even kidding. Yeah. And then they see the wormers skinny dipping nearby. So they steal their clothes as payback from the jello attack. Mm-hmm. They finally make their way to the library. They go through the old newspapers. Roberta sees a clipping about her mother's car accident that caused her death and discovers that it was more painful and prolonged than her dad had led her to believe. Oh, so sad. Really Christina sad. Ricci is amazing in those scenes, yes. too. It's like. How old is she? She's like 11 and giving that kind of performance? I think she's actually like 15 when this what? movie was filmed. Yeah, she's a little bit older than her character. Okay. I might be a little off, but I think she's older oh, than she's 12. she's 14. Okay. okay. And then they do find something about Jonathan Sims in the newspapers, but a lot of the pages have been torn out. Jonathan Sims? Do you mean... Dear Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> And so they're like, oh, someone wanted to keep this information a secret. On their way home from the library, they run into Brendan Fraser, who is a Vietnam War vet. Jeez Louise. <laughs> this scene is a lot. It's a lot. Oh this is God. like, it's going for something. And then it takes, you're just like, don't give them cigarettes, oh Brendan Fraser. What are you doing? <laughs> He's a hippie, though. start smoking cigarettes. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, he, yeah, if he's doing it, Demi Moore's doing it, I'm going to do it. It's bad. It's bad. Mm. So they're still curious about Dear Johnny. Dear Johnny. Um, So they go to Willa Dean, who is witchy, and she does a tarot reading, and the results of which imply that Dear Johnny was murdered. Mm -hmm. Then there's the softball game. I want to talk all about this scene. There's more punching. Girls are punching good. some more. It's a good. I punch like those too. punches. Yeah, it's they're good. They're good punches. And, and, and. Totally. It's um, like everything that I didn't like about the Sandlot. Mm. The opposite happens in yeah. that scene. It's great. It's Love very it. satisfying child baseball scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Samantha and Teeny have a heart to heart in their new tree house, which they now have. We didn't huge. see them getting it, but it's huge. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> made that twenty three dollars. Yeah. 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 And then Teeny gives Samantha a friendship bracelet, uh, but on their ride home, it falls off and goes down a storm drain. And this is when Samantha goes into the sewer to retrieve it, but she gets stuck because it starts raining really hard. But luckily, Crazy Pete shows up and saves her. Uh, and then they interact with him a little bit. This is kind of a side note, but the treehouse they wanted to buy was $129. Mm-hmm. 
adjusted for inflation, that is an $850 treehouse wow. that they were saving up for. No Oof. wonder it took so long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. $850. I mean, it was a nice treehouse. That's a yeah, really my nice. God. That's rent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we should all live in a treehouse. You don't you only I, need to pay once. a super nice treehouse, too. You only need to pay once. I would live in that treehouse. Yeah. It's right? lovely. I seen mean, they brought an infant into that treehouse at yeah. the end. You're like, okay, Passing it around. It's like, very sturdy. Steady. It's still there 25 years later. Yeah. Yeah. How did they get that baby up there? How did they do that? How did they get the treehouse up there? Also that. How, so, I there know, would have like, had to who? been like a crane or something. And it must have taken days. Yeah. I don't know. Were parents involved? We don't know. We skipped that entire are part of the plot. Are parents involved in this movie? Are, not where a ton. are parents? They're, they're occasionally, but parents are not painted in a very good light in this movie. Mm. In general. That is kind of the which crux. I don't, which I don't mind. <laughs> so speaking of parents, we see the girls going to Samantha's grandmother's house to look oh, through her Cloris attic. Cloris Leachman. I yes. love God, her. Gambling Cloris Leachman. <laughs> She loves poker and she wears a wild hairpiece. She is making a wig choices. hat. Yes. <laughs> it's that's her classic wig hat. I love it. That scene was both not necessary and really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anything happens in that scene really. So she's like, oh well, she sort of says like, oh I know about Dear Johnny, <laughs> right? But I can't tell you about it. Anyways, gotta go, and that's basically the scene. But right. then they sneak into they her sneak attic. into the attic and then find out more information about Dear Johnny, which is that he and his mother had indeed been murdered, and they were just dis- the bodies were discovered by. Jonathan's father, Peter, Peter Sims. Sims. Um, but we don't make the connection Sugar quite goes yet. Down my spine. <laughs> and then Roberta, who had been been like keeping the grief about her mother kind of bottled up, uh, lets it all out and starts crying. Uh, another great performance. On Samantha's yes. grandma's mirror. Yeah. We just discussed. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that Cloris Leachman is gonna find that. Like Sweet. probably not that day. Yes. Right. But at some point. Yeah. And I would the, be scared if I were her. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. guess it was Christina Ricci. No. She's like, how did this mirror get shattered? I know. Ghosts. Ghosts. That's what you got to say. Heavy ghost themes. Dear Johnny. She upset Dear Johnny. Um, And this is when they make the pact that they will always be there for each other. It's nice. It is nice. And then they have another seance to put Dear Johnny back to rest. And then we see, like, his headstone is floating toward them. But it turns out it's just the graveyard worker installing the new headstone after he had knocked it over with his tractor. And then the girls leave. um, But Samantha sees Crazy Pete, goes back in and talks to him. And then she realizes that he is Peter Sims, the father of Dear Johnny. Uh, and he's always in the cemetery because he's like paying his respects to his family that he may or may not have. I think he's kind of like kind of getting off on it a little bit. Yeah, you revisit, yeah, yeah, revisiting, and then he's like, it's crazy. He goes there every night like crazy. I got away with that. (laughs) And just says it to the gravestone. I can't believe I got away with this, dear Johnny. I can't believe I got away with it. (laughs) Also, never visiting his wife's gravestone. Yeah, where is his wife? Right. No, his wife, just dear Johnny. There can only be one. (laughs) (laughs) And then we cut to the present with the adults and Chrissy's in labor. They go to the hospital. She has the baby. And then afterwards, they're all in the treehouse. And they're talking about, you know, whether or not they're happy with their lives. They're talking about the struggles that they're... Well, okay. The ending questions, the series of questions (laughs) is fascinating Mm -hmm. because... We find out, we ask Demi Moore if she's happy. Yeah. She's like, she's not. No. 
We ask Rita Wilson if she's happy. She is. Mm-hmm. We ask Rosie O'Donnell how big her boobs are. <clears throat> she doesn't answer. Right. We ask Melanie Griffith nothing. She tells us she has a boob job. Yes. That's the check-in uh-huh. 25 years later. <laughs> Good roundup, um, huh? It's, uh-huh. You're like, all right, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I guess we know what characters we were supposed to care about the whole time. <laughs> I was surprised that we didn't, like, revisit Rosie O'Donnell's character because in the, in the flashbacks – or, I mean, most of the movie is the flashback. But, like, I feel like we spend a lot of time with her character yeah. uh, as a kid. And then don't really have any interest in her as an adult. Like, they're just sort of like, yeah, she's dating someone and she's happy. How big are her boobs, though? And you're like, what? Huh? Here's my guess. Okay. Um, I learned through my research yes. that her character was written as an out lesbian. But yes, it didn't test well with audiences. So I'm guessing any part about that was cut. If there were other scenes, this is like part speculation, but if there were other scenes where we like got to know her more as an adult, they may have been cut for that reason. That's hmm. such a bummer. I found I found an interview with the writer I Marlene King, aka Mrs. Pretty Little Liars herself, mm-hmm. saying stuff to that effect. And it's like a bummer. I mean, I, I hope that those scenes existed and and it kind of and not including it kind of makes some of the coding that they try to do with varying degrees of success i think mm-hmm. ring in this kind of bizarre way because then you flash forward and they're like she's with someone don't worry about it mm-hmm. how big are your boobs right. okay bye is she a nurse in the future um no she's an she's, OBGYN. she's an OBGYN. Yeah, okay because yeah. i was just like should she be delivering the baby okay she no, should no. then yeah she's a that's medical legal. doctor that's legal yes. that's good so they were at a hospital <laughs> like your friends end? you can do it it's fine <laughs> was it very was that a hospital i don't know i was I like think... it didn't really look like right. a hospital. it looked kind of like a house uh-huh also final note on the birth scene i didn't need to see that realistic of a freshly born baby it was oh, it was co- very bloody in blood yeah rosie o'donnell also covered in blood i know uh-huh. that that's what it is yeah but i watch movies for a reason and it's you know? to not see bloody babies i like to see babies born uh fresh and clean fresh at three months old <laughs> do you ever wonder <laughs> who like. gives their baby for that role and is like cover it in i fake feel like blood. it's usually fresh baby someone on the production the I yeah. feel like it's like Horrible. a production baby, oftentimes. Two week old baby, cover it up with <laughs> yeah, fake no, blood. Like, let's, it's insane. You know what we should do? Cover it in fake blood. We almost <laughs> can't breathe, and it's it. freezing on that set. You let's know it just is. Just hand it to oh, Rita. Man. I mean, honestly, I would love to be handed to Rita Wilson yeah. as an adult <laughs> and have that story <laughs> it would be for a your whole life. Mm-hmm. That's me. She seems lovely. I'm two weeks old. She That's me. Um, <laughs> anyhow, so those are they. They do their truth or dare questions, uh, and then they make another pact to see more of each other and then they play red rover with some neighborhood kids which is weird that yeah it is the, a bit who weird. are those kids nobody knows <laughs> who's taking no care knows. of the baby where's the baby at is it with that daddy creepy, that yeah the, yeah, the, the dad that wasn't there from for their childhood the right because he's a dentist and he's busy Jesus. but anyway that's how that's the movie uh let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. 
Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. And we're back. As much as I, I was saying that this movie was a little boring to me, it reminds me a lot. I mean, it's interesting. It seems like it is pulling from movies that existed at that time. And you can also see kind of its lineage as it goes down. Because there were a lot of parts of this movie where I'm like, oh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, stealing from now and then at this mm. moment. Where like a lot of the scenes where it's the four of them together in a secret location making a pact. You're like, oh, yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. The production team behind this movie is yes. pretty cool, yep. pretty legendary, directed by a woman, famous director, Leslie Linka Gladder, who is directed, I think, primarily in TV, but she's directed everything. She's did directing on Twin Peaks. She is most famous, I think, for Homeland, but she directed episodes of Gilmore Girls. She did Grey. She did West Wing. She did Weeds. She did True Blood. She did Pretty Little Liars because mm-hmm. I'm Marlene King, their friends. Mm-hmm. She did a ton. I mean, she's like a legendary director who is still working all the time. Yay. Um, And it's written by I, Marlene King, who her actual name is Ina Marlene King. Mm -hmm. I think this was her big break at the time. Uh, This was her first uh, screenplay that was produced. And I think now she's most famous for Pretty Little Liars, which is really funny because it is like (laughs) so like... The there was something in now and then where I'm like, oh, I'm Arlene King loves writing scenes where four teenage or four girls are in a graveyard planning something because <laughs> uh-huh. that's every scene in Pretty Little Liars for ten years. Wow! But uh, Pretty Little Liars, I don't, I don't necessarily know that it's a feminist text, uh-huh. uh, but I have seen every episode. <laughs> I have not seen a single episode. Neither have I. You can skip it. I can guess what it's like. It's no. so fun. I mean, like this is I. 
I had no idea this was written by her, and I, gun to my head, never would guess that Pretty Little Liars and Now and Then were written by one and the same, other than if I saw pound for pound the graveyard scenes. Sure. <laughs> um, but Pretty Little Liars are usually burying a teacher's body. Like, they're not... Oh, that sounds like a good show. Yeah. yeah. Everything that now, and, that now and Then girls want to happen, the Pretty Little Liars do Ooh. every single week. Okay. <laughs> they're killing people. They're conjuring people from the dead. They're doing everything. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then also the credited producers are mostly women. Yes. Uh, it's also I, Marlene King, as and well as Demi, Demi Moore, Moore, Jennifer Todd, and Su- Suzanne Todd, and then uh, Eric McLeod. Yeah, we got Who's a that? man in there. Who oh. knows? Token. Yeah. Token male. Token <laughs> producer. Male. Um, so yeah, it's largely women behind the scenes in the major creative roles in mm-hmm. this movie. So that's something we do not see very often at all. Yes. So we love that. And it shows. It, it shows. shows in the way that the movie is written and frames. I mean, it, there, it was not a, f- a female cinematographer. I checked. Mm. But uh, the way it's directed is very respectful to its subjects. Mm-hmm. And the way it's written is very respectful to its subjects, too. Yes. <sighs> Okay, so, well, there's a lot to talk about, as per usual. I wanted to start by just kind of talking about how this is one of very few stories we get to see about young girls. Yes. A group of young girls having fun and living life and being, like, tween girls uh it's really not something that's been explored very much there are a fair number of like coming of age stories about women but they're usually a little bit older and i Um, think a lot of the time and this movie sort of includes this but doesn't really harp on it too much but i feel like a lot of times you see movies about young girls it is focused specifically on like an extreme trauma Mm. and that like young girls are not often allowed to just be like you said, like having fun and like living life and there's problems, there always are. But like, I feel like there, yeah, there is a large amount of teen girl movies where it's strictly focused on, especially like of this age, like 12, 13, mm-hmm. because once you get to teenagers, then it's all I, about sex and they boys get objectified a lot. Yeah. But in this age, I feel like sometimes you just have like an extreme trauma mm. harped on the entire. I remember the movie 13. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, like movies like that where it was like, oh, my God, where they're like, hey, young girls, the world is out to kill you. <laughs> and so it is like it is kind of nice to just see girls growing up. Yeah, being yeah. Well, people. They, they're like, yeah, they're turning into who they want to be or they're finding themselves. So it's like this weird in-between time where they're mm-hmm. like, it seems like they're friends because of their location. They're all neighbors. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they're all like kind of branching out and Drifting. finding what they like and who they are. And it's nice. It's cute. I think it's sweet. Right. Because it it's also a very relatable, realistic experience for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Four very different characters. My only confusion in the whole movie was that I kept mixing up Christina Ricci and Gabby Hoffman. <laughs> It got hard for me. I sure. might do it during the podcast, too. That's okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll be here to set everything straight. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, but I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about some of the things we see them doing. Because girls in movies, usually we see them doing pretty traditionally feminine things. Or not doing anything at all. But in this movie, and there is some, like you know, traditionally feminine stuff we see them doing. But a lot of it is just pretty neutral because we see them like riding bikes, swimming, 
saving up to buy a tree house. Uh, $850. So much money. Jeez, they're rich. Uh, My God. Um, they're, they're doing seances. They're hanging out at a diner. They sometimes are, you know, like talking about boys and sex and they're reading Cosmo. They're exchanging friendship bracelets. But then we see them like painting a garage door. So we see like this whole array of just like very normal stuff, stuff that I just did. Preteen stuff. At, at that age. Exactly. Yeah. And it was just really refreshing to see girls doing normal things Mm -hmm. right Uh, and then like what it felt like a pretty realistic way i mean there was like more that happened in this movie that i didn't expect i mean you saw them hurting each other's feelings sometimes mm -hmm. you saw them uh and in ways that like weren't positive but were realistic of like how kids that age make fun of each other they were Mm -hmm. teasing each other you could see moments where they wanted to understand each other but were not equipped to understand each other quite Mm -hmm. yet like just there were all these really cool like well-written moments of like oh i think maybe i blocked that out for like when that (laughs) but it felt yeah it all felt Again, because genuine. a lot of what we see in if there is like a 12 year old girl in a movie she's doing the thing that we hate which is the precocious child trope where she's yeah. like wise beyond her years and just somehow knows everything about everything but here we see like very realistic age appropriate depictions of just these girls like yeah. and yeah they're not always right sometimes they behave shitty a lot of times they're being mean to each other mm-hmm. um but that is kind of the human experience especially when you're that age and they're like dealing with yeah like how she fakes her own death and she just doesn't know how to deal with it and they're just like don't be an asshole and right but they don't know how to communicate that quite and i love the scenes when they're on their bikes so i think that's so oh. cute i, I love the that music it's yeah the music's Such a great, great. And i grew up in like a suburban town i guess even though it was kind of in la adjacent mm-hmm. but i we would do that stuff all the time when i was like 12 yeah. like there'd be like a crew of girls because you know it wasn't shitty where i lived yet um, <laughs> and it was it was awesome there was like nobody around there was no brendan frazier's yet but you know oh, no one coming so home sorry. from the but war. there definitely was people that bought us cigarettes which was awful yeah <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> Um, one of the first things you see in the movie is they're all playing Red Rover on their side. It's just the four of them. And uh, they call over a little boy. I forget his name. But he can't break their bond, symbolizing the friendship that can't be broken. Mm-hmm. And then also it's like, oh, these girls are triumphing over a boy in a game that like tests physical strength. Mm-hmm. And then we're just like... Oh, Strong female protagonists. We got them. Doesn't ring with the same message when they do it again as adults. Twenty five years later, (laughs) still with a twelve year old boy. But you know, I get what they were going for. I would have loved if they brought back like Devin Sawa twenty five years later. Oh sure, to be like run at our arms, and he's like, no, you just you just gave birth. I'm not going to run at you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, another thing I really like about this movie is that, as you said, Jamie, like they're characterized very differently they have very different personalities which is kind of remarkable because usually a movie doesn't allow uh, more than one woman to be in it and if there are more than one woman it's kind of hard to differentiate them because they're not characterized very well Mm -hmm. but in this movie you get such strong characterizations of all of them and we get to know quite a bit about each one yeah i think the character we learn least about is teeny 
Um, yeah, I would say that's fair. Yeah, I think she, which I think again is, I mean, and this is a very, 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 very white movie. Uh-huh. Um, oh man, <laughs> boy, I think the only like one of the only people of color we see is just kicked out of his own limo, limo yeah. yeah, and left in the dust. Yeah, uh, I was like limo driver. They don't even let him uh, drive Jesus. his limo. I mean, he oh, can't. Man. He's not even allowed to drive his own damn limo. But so this is a small victory. But I think that like a lesser movie would strictly focus on teeny and focus on the most like the most hyper feminine um Mm -hmm. of like i feel like there's a tendency of of movies to focus on the most hyper feminine and sideline characters who are not that yeah where in this one it's the exact opposite where it's kind of i think that we're supposed to believe i mean if Demi Moore's wardrobe is to be believed. Jesus. <laughs> supposed to be yeah. a weird girl, which is like, I'm never buying Demi Moore as a weird girl, but like, I get it. I saw uh-huh. the sunglasses. Um, <laughs> but like, it focuses, I think, on two, like, of like the quote unquote weird girls. True. And you see, there's a little bit of uh, body diversity, especially when they're kids, where Chrissy is uh, bigger and mm-hmm. she is mercilessly for it. for it. Yes. In a way that, like, almost turned my my stomach a little bit because you're like oh i you know like you see kids be treated like that yeah you know, yeah when you're a kid like and 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 because at first when i was watching the scenes with chrissy as an adult i'm like geez she's like kind of like being pretty hard on them and then you flash back and see how they used to treat her i'm like oh she's right Rita Wilson's totally right to be dumping on them. They, she's just getting a uh, worthy revenge. Right. Years, I feel like my cousins and I still do that to each other sometimes. Where like I'm like, why was she just mean to me? And I'm like, oh, probably because of that thing I did with the like a uh, thumbprint pad. Uh oh. In 2000, I was just I just had an uh, uh, my cousin bring up an argument we had when we were six years old about <laughs> one of those ink pads. Yeah. Anyways, did you yeah. get ink all over her? No, I poured water on her ink pad by mistake, and then there was no more ink left in it, Aww. and I denied, denied, denied. Oh, I see. And then she got in trouble with her mom and, oh. because she had to get a new ink pad, and oh it gosh. was a whole thing. We are, we're still talking about it today. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I'm, yeah. a li- I'm a liar. <laughs> but I did like how Chrissy's like, I'm not fat, and like she sticks up for herself, even though they kind of razz her. She's kind of yeah. just like, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I like how she's just like, I'm not painting that. I'm like, I have to eat every two hours. I, li- I love her character. She's, she's, she's the best. Yeah. She's great. The, okay. Her friends are pretty cruel to her. They, and behind her back as well. That yeah, was the one that made that me the was, most mad. Yeah, likewise. When mm-hmm. Teeny and Samantha, Samantha, they're like making fun of Chrissy behind her back as well. I'm like. Get oh, over it. Oh, you mean the yeah. scene where they're talking about, like, if you were on an island yeah. and there was nothing to mm-hmm. eat, who of us would you eat? That was a bummer. And Ugh. she says Chrissy because she would feed more people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's quite a few scenes there's like this. There's a lot of fat um, It's so, like, cringy to watch, yeah. but you're like, ah, oh, but uh, but it's, like, not like I'm Merlin King's, like, making something up. It's just... Right. It's uh, real, yeah. It's, it's weird. It is it is conflicting because it's on one hand, she's, like, depicting something that for sure happens and probably, ha- I would guess, happened more in the 70s than it would in, like, 2019 because right. I think... I'm hoping kids are brought up to be a little bit more accepting than they were back in the day. Yeah, um, yeah much more. But, you know, woke kids out there. But um, Shout out woke kids. <laughs> yeah, shout out my woke kids. Um, I don't have any children of my own, obviously. But, um, <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a lot of scenes like that where it's not only the characters 
targeting her and being cruel to her because of her weight but it also is the movie the narrative makes some choices yeah which are that like she when they're like bicycling to greenfield which is nine miles away by the way we see on a little sign um that like she's the one who like needs to stop for a break she's the one who like doesn't want to participate in the painting of the garage door because she has to eat when the girls are saving or like swimming really fast because they think roberta is dead in the water she's like struggling really hard to swim and keep up like she's always right. just kind of like lagging behind well, they make her have a head start when they steal the boys oh that yes. too yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, like you, you, you better literally go. need to go <laughs> they're it's yeah i i think that like that it's not as sensitively written as it should be mm-hmm. which is a bummer because like that would be if it were a little more thoughtfully written it would be like that is something that happens with kids and i think is like worthy of exploring mm-hmm. but yeah i don't think she really ever got the chance to like stand up for herself in a really meaningful way about she's a butt it. of a joke she's the jerry yeah. o'connell you know what i mean in stand by she me is. yeah she very much is that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had a, a discussion similar to this on Booksmart, but what what I think a movie like Booksmart course corrects is that like we do have a plus size character in the Beanie Feldstein character in that movie, and it's never her weight mm-hmm. and size is never called attention to. Yeah. It's never made fun of. And I think if this if now and then were like remade today, her size would be treated very differently yeah um but because it came out in the mid 90s um it's treated the way it is and again i wonder because it's like i'm Rowling king is by all accounts a pretty forward-thinking writer and the fact that she wrote in an out character in the 90s even though it got you know taken out which mm-hmm. is very 90s you know I, I wonder if there was a draft where that was like dealt with more thoughtfully and then they're like no it's 1995 body standards are still extremely rigid can't do it could be i don't know but yeah it just, i just i don't love the way that the the movie frames it in flashback i am glad to see her uh kind of like subtly dump on her friends in the future because they were assholes to her right yeah, yeah. yeah. um we gotta take another quick break but then we'll come right back me focus features presents back to black I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. Just to continue the conversation about Chrissy a little bit more. And this is just kind of one of the things that we see that, like, differentiates her from her friends. And that we see all these different personality types is that Chrissy has some somewhat regressive ideas and she really Mm -hmm. subscribes to traditional feminine norms Mm -hmm. um where like roberta is splashing around in some puddles and then like chrissy says like roberta why can't you just act like a girl and then later during the softball fight which i want to talk all about she's like remember you're a lady when she's about to go like punch a dude yeah i mean i was like i notice but it's for me i'm like okay first of all it's 1970 second of all there are enough diversities of opinions on what womanhood is Mm -hmm. i feel like that's almost like what the whole flashback is about is like about each of them defining like who am i and like what is womanhood right to me because they all sort of have like a different and then at the end they're like you know we we were all trying to be the same person but we're very different Mm -hmm. so I mean, just the fact that you see, like, one of the characters, like, taping down her boobs and then another one trying to augment them (laughs) is, like, really just telling, again, of, like, a very, like, human. not the same person. But Chrissy's characters, like, really, they really go for it. She's, like, brushing her hair. She's counting how many times. And, like, Chrissy. Her mom is so just, like put this thing down and like oh yeah Bonnie Hunt (laughs) and when she says that thing about like oh I can't French kiss a guy because like they'll want everything oh (laughs) yeah which is such a 12 year old the male curse (laughs) that's such a 12 year old thing to say (laughs) my mom told me when I was I think about that age she told me and my friend Lindsay that I don't know why she would lie about this but it was I so believed her for so long she was just like because I think I read in a magazine about French kissing and I must have just, like, said it. And she was like, I've never French kissed anyone before. And I was like, what? And she's like, it's gross. There's germs. Don't do it. I would never. <laughs> like, she was like, it was such a weird lie. To, <laughs> but I, like, until I was, like, at French kissing level myself, and I was like, wait, there's no way she was telling the truth <laughs> about never having. Wait, but what if she was telling the truth? <gasps> you never know. I was never kissed with tongue. Chill. <laughs> I think she'll probably listen to this, and I... I never talked to her about it, but later I just was like, oh, what a weird lie. Uh, Jill, tweet at us Jill. with the truth. Truth or dare, yeah, Jill. Truth or dare. <laughs> Do you kiss Did you ever kiss? Did you? <laughs> oh, that would be such a cool fact about And also, about how her. are you, Jill? Yeah, how She's are like, you? Truth or dare. Two children I've never kissed with Tom. 
Um, (laughs) That reminds me kind of of one of my favorite scenes in the movie when they have discovered the Wormers skinny dipping, which seeing boys, their naked butts, their naked bodies, minus we don't see their penises, but like... Uh, I don't know. It's weird. Oh, it's weird. <laughs> but um, they're watching the Wormers skinny dipping, which is like a rare example of like a female gaze moment in a movie. Mm-hmm. And then Teeny's like, I saw Scott's penis. And then Roberta and Samantha are like, they also sneak a peek. And then Chrissy is like, great. Now I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. It'll be the topic of conversation and I'll be left out. So I better see it. But only because you're forcing me. And I do this out of protest. And it's they're all so like, we're not funny. forcing they're you. Like, and she's like, fine, I'll do it. You're, you're, you're forcing my eyes. And then it's like, you just wanted to see a boy's dick. Oh and it's not it that big, funny. she says. Yeah, she's like, it's not that big. And then the <laughs> Sarah Birch is like, yeah, he has to have a heart on. And then she like puts her hands out as if like a hard on is like a foot and a half long it's, like a two uh, subway sandwiches right? like, Jesus. it's adorable <laughs> oh i love it it's adorable i'm like wondering i'm like how much did the i mean i guess the actors are like a few like a year or two older than their parts i'm like how much do they know that they're that this is a joke oh we true don't, don't, don't know because they're still quite young they're very young but oh. they're actors that's true they've yeah. They've lived many lives. They have. They've (laughs) grown up fast. Um, I wanted to talk about another thing I really like about this movie, which is that you see a lot of moments where boys are underestimating girls. Mm -hmm. Um, We see the, like, jello balloon fight, and then uh, Roberta's, like, chasing after them and is like, we owe you, Wormers, and we always pay our debts. And then Devin Sawa's character responds, um, (laughs) and he says, yeah, like, we're really afraid of a bunch of girls. And she's like, yeah, you should be. And then later they do enact revenge which is like sweet revenge yeah, it's by stealing great. their clothes again i don't want to see naked boys didn't butts, need that shot but, but i like to send they are right babies they are little yeah children. it's not yeah. okay the 90s um, you know. right the yeah. 90s what are you gonna do and then the the red rover thing uh-huh. when they the little boy can't break through their you know unbreakable friendship and <laughs> the, the metaphor <laughs> um, dear johnny <laughs> And then the softball game. The softball game scene is so good. Rules. I c- can I go beat by beat with what happens here? Because I love it so much. Yes. Everything except the creepy little future husband being like, I'm oh, hitting yeah. on Hi. you. And he, she's like, get lost, loser. And, and then he's he like, gets no, closer. you're going to be my wife. But you're like, oh, hate <laughs> persistence. And then everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wear no, her no down. Mean, no means yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything else is great. Okay. Everything else is great. And here's, here's what happens. Almost perfect. The girls hear about a softball game happening off in the distance, and Roberta's like, let's go, and it's Roberta's turn to bat, and then Devin Sawa's like, all right, everybody, move in, because they are not anticipating that she will hit the ball very hard or far. And then feminist icon, little boy, who we have never seen before and we will never see again, I don't think. It is weird the that they don't just have one of the Warmer Brothers say it, but they but just choose it's some a random, random kid. kid. And then he says, <laughs> it's a he's a pretty kid. good performance. <laughs> yeah. He's like sitting on top of like a fence with his arms crossed like, hey. Like, oh, no, hey. I'm not even talking about him. Oh, you're not even that Sorry. him? No. Okay. So true feminist icon little boy in the outfield who says come on roberta hit it over their heads Mm -hmm. Uh, and then another kid's like shut up (laughs) he's doing the bare minimum i don't think he's a feminist okay (laughs) a fair fair fair. (laughs) um 
And then Roberta, she hits the ball. First one's a foul ball. And then shitty boy, not feminist icon, <laughs> not <laughs> playing. Who also. literally like what came a piece out of shit. Yeah, it's not even playing. Yeah. He had extreme like resting bully face. Like the kid <laughs> just looked like a bully. And then he went, hey. And you're like, oh, no. He's like, who are you kidding? You- Girls can't play softball. Mm-hmm. And then she says, what did you say? And he says, I said girls can't play softball. And then she throws down her bat and storms toward him. And this is when Chrissy's like, remember, you're a lady. (laughs) Yeah. And then he's like, why don't you go home and play with your dolls? And then Chrissy says, the only doll Roberta has is a G.I. Joe. And then. Voting. Right. And then Roberta punches him in the face. He falls down. She starts wailing on him. It's great. Her friend's pull her off of him. He calls Roberta a crazy bitch. And then Samantha says, how does it feel to get the crap kicked out of you by a girl? Which I don't necessarily know how I feel about that. But he says, too bad your mother's dead. Somebody needs to teach you how to act like a girl. You're like, who is this kid? <laughs> right. yeah. Some how does he know so much about live her? in this city? Who is right. he? He doesn't even go here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then Samantha tackles him and then another fight ensues it's great love it and you've all felt that feeling right we were like i'm gonna fight for my friend i mean not physically but you know (laughs) every actor involved in this scene is wonderful i also want to shout out whoever edited in the sound effects because it makes the fight sound so brutal like when christina ricci throws the first punch you hear it connect it's like like you're like oh my god she like broke his nose like it's so brutal it's really Mm -hmm. good so just to kind of continue off of that sentiment, what I, another thing I really like about this movie is that you get to see girls kind of misbehaving, not being like the prim and proper societal expectation of what girls are supposed to be because you see them throwing punches. Mm-hmm. You see them smoking cigarettes and perhaps that was too influential and it made people start smoking. But, <laughs> you know, you see them you like see them sneaking like out at night. Being and, wrong. Yeah. yeah. Like you get to see them make mistakes and they mm-hmm. all make mistakes in different ways and then you sort of get enough background on each character to understand why they are making these specific mistakes. I mean, I think Roberta is probably the easiest example to draw from there of um, sometimes you see her act out and it's confusing to her friends, but Mm -hmm. it is like rooted in this trauma she has with what happened with her mother. And like you just, you get to see a wide range of emotions and reactions and most of them don't seem like rooted in any stereotype because you just know the character well enough to understand why they would do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Truly that simple. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost as if when you try hard at writing a female character, we get a sense of who they are. It will come across. Go figure. (laughs) Surprise. Go figure. Um, Can we talk about Roberta a little bit? Yes. Um, So I really liked that this, I think the heaviest thing this movie really tackles is her grief mm-hmm. right and i think that they kind of want you to be equally sad about gabby hoffman's parents divorce even though i'm kind of like whatever but <laughs> although it is like it does seem like it's the kind of divorce like a very 1970 like dad leaves for milk and doesn't come back kind of divorce mm-hmm. which is 
awful. I, Especially because like divorce wasn't as popular back then. Because they even say it's like so hot no right other. Now. It's so hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, no other families on the block were uh, like that was the first family that like right. got a divorce kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, but but I think in terms of like lifelong trauma, mm-hmm. I mean, Roberta takes the cake. Right. In the trauma wars of this movie, <laughs> she because uh, women be in competition. Women be competing with each other over who's the most traumatized. Um, I, I liked that this movie, and I feel like it dealt with it pretty responsibly, um, tried to handle uh, child grieving. I feel mm-hmm. like that's not something you see a lot really ever right. in a way that is, I mean, I, I kind of am curious. I'm like, what kind of research did I, Marlene King, do when she was writing this? Because it seemed pretty grounded in like, you know, she would act out. You would see she was trying to, like, when she would fake her own death, mm-hmm. it was, like, trying to normalize it for herself, trying to have a sense of humor about it. Right. And then having, like, these really emotional moments. It was just, like, I thought it was really, like, well done and yeah. beautiful. And especially because Roberta's character and, and now, like, knowing that Roberta, who grows up to be Rosie O'Donnell, yes, was supposed to be kind of this queer coded character that they later kind of undo that work and then they're like okay now Devin Sawa is here there's 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 a lot going on mm-hmm. with her character I don't know like Roberta's just she's such a rich character mm-hmm. and I wish that the Devin Sawa thing was like I wish she could just be out but yeah. the taping down her breasts thing when she was younger I thought was like I was like oh what is what are they trying to say here and I feel like that kind of gets a little bit muddled. Mm-hmm. But it was, I mean, it was interesting to see that period. You don't see that a lot in movies, especially movies that are, like, directed at children. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just really like her. I, but it's just particularly pertaining to how the movie tackles the idea of grief with kids and doesn't ever really cut away to an adult explaining her own grief to her. It's her figuring out her grief with the kids that she knows Mm -hmm. and them all working it out kind of together as well as they can. I thought it was like, it was beautiful. I think it's it's like suggested that no one is helping her deal with it. She's in a a 1970s house full of boys and Mm -hmm. a dad. Probably like like, all emotionally repressed. Like, yeah, we're like, I don't know what to do. I mean, yeah. And I was like, and it, and, and seeing her just, I mean, God, I can't imagine how much that day at the library fucked her up in the years that followed. Cause I'm like, of course her dad wouldn't tell her like yeah it was awful uh so it's like that's not a fault of her dad it just seems like her dad's got you know a lot on his plate Mm -hmm. and she just uh, is like trained to suppress it's like right shitty to see but Uh sad but it's really nice to see her get like support from her friends and kind of that like 12 year old thing of like they're trying to relate with each other they're like i get it and they don't but they want to and that's enough Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and kind of the same thing with the divorce narrative i guess i have a question about one of the things that felt a little weird to me in this movie was how Samantha's mother was treated. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like how they treated Samantha's mother. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, I feel like it almost is like, I understand what they were going for, but the movie seems to side with the child a little too much. In kind of the same way where they almost side with the kids that are making fun of young Chrissy's body a little too much, where 
Samantha is not happy that her, you know, her parents are split up. Yeah. Obviously, most kids aren't happy when that happens, especially in 1970. Right. But then the way that we see Samantha's mother in a different scene where it just all felt a little weird and unrealistic where the mother is inviting a first date over to their house for dinner yeah. for dinner and then like let it's it's the writing is weird in this scene because i think we're supposed to like interpret Samantha's mother as kind of like this irresponsible villain uh for bringing home a first date to I meet her kids s- i kind of saw it as like she has good intentions but like doesn't really know how to execute them adequately I mean, or something like that and what what adult brings a first date home to meet their children you yeah, know like that's true i mean it was 1970 yeah <laughs> and i kind of appreciate that this movie doesn't focus on the parents significantly mm-hmm. at all and it's mostly about the relationship between the girls but yeah i just felt like it's a very small gripe but i felt like samantha's mom kind of got a raw a bit deal of the shaft yeah. and 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 no no real opportunity to explain you know where she was coming from yeah. or you know but it, but also it's like i'm sure parents weren't talking to their kids about the details of their divorce as much that's true in these days but she had a lot of wigs though she had, cool she wigs. had good wigs <laughs> i like and her good wigs. outfit I mean. and that poor guy on the first date was really doing everything he could oh the hank azaria why yeah. did why did hank azaria accept that invitation what was 1970 like I, who, uh, <laughs> listeners if you were alive and like cognizant during this time please does this tell track us. for you at all <laughs> like did this happen i feel like it's not that unrealistic I don't know. I, I was not right. alive, no. but like yeah. I just think times were really wacky back then. Yeah, they just moved a little. Hank Azaria could just yeah. come to your house and wear your dad's clothes. I mean, that yeah. was whenever he wanted. I think so. Wild. <laughs> um, what I do like about that storyline with like the divorced parents and, and everything. Uh, Cloris Leachman shows up at Samantha's oh house and she's like banging on the doors and stuff like that. And um, Samantha's mom is like, I cannot deal with her right now. And then Samantha says, like, why is she coming here? Let grandma yell at him, meaning like her dad. He's the one who left. So she's like, she wants the man to be accountable in this situation because the grandmother is like mad at her mom for like being left she's like go right. to him she's right. like yeah. yelling and it's like no Jeez. yell at the man he's the one who abandoned his family um and then there's a few even though like parents aren't the focus of that of this movie and i am again i'm also fine with that we get like a few glimpses or a few like lines of dialogue where the girls are learning things like and I think this is one of Brendan Fraser's lines, but the lesson that he teaches them is that, uh, you know, your parents aren't always right. I wish someone had taught me that when I was your age. Um, and here's then, a bunch of cigarettes. Yeah, here's a bunch of cigarettes. <laughs> I'm going to drink all of your Fanta. Um, I know. And, and kind of flirt with you a little bit. It was Ooh. a little sketchy. I'm like, how much of that is the performance and how much of that is what's on the page? It was, <laughs> what is that scene? It's I don't know so why. Weird. It could easily be cut, but <laughs> listeners, who were alive in 1970? Did this happen to you as a child? Again, I think it did. Brendan very Fraser just oh, I'm sure. give you cigarettes. Yeah. Sure. I'm glad like, I was alive. Girls would go like then. hitchhiking and like do That's all manner true. of like very dangerous things. Yes, this was like pre milk carton time. kids. Yeah, yeah. But then there's also that scene where Teeny and 
Samantha are talking because like Teeny has pretty absentee parents. Samantha's parents yeah. are getting divorced. Uh, they're citing like all these like TV families who are like I love widowers and stuff like that. And she's just like, you know, there are no perfect families. It's you know, it's normal for things to be shitty. I loved that they used. I was like, oh, this this scene was written for our podcast because they're trying <laughs> to normalize her experience based on things they've seen in media. Yeah, yeah. and they're not quite able to do it because they can only name widowers. Yeah. Because <laughs> you couldn't have you couldn't be divorced on TV at this time, but I thought that that was I was like oh that's like the perfect Bechdel cast example of like they're trying to be like it's okay because the Beverly Hillbillies did it, <laughs> but I guess they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right, but they got kind of close. Um, yeah, that that was a great interaction. Yeah, can we talk about the Devon Sawa and Damn. Roberta? kiss the consent yes. kiss yes he asked for consent several times i i mean first of all i think we all agree roberta should have just been allowed to be gay and well I mean, here's the thing i think like i think rosie o'donnell definitely should have been out mm-hmm. as a lesbian or a queer woman in the now part of the now and then storyline right. um oh, right. i think i'm like what if i, what if I was like <laughs> that's what the title <laughs> oh, okay um and i would love our queer listeners to weigh in here but I think it is perfectly in the in the realm of possibility where Roberta, who is 12 and only just starting to discover her sexuality at all, yeah. would, because it's the norm, especially of 1970, mm-hmm. that she would be like, oh, well, I'm a girl, so I'm supposed to be attracted to boys. Yes. I get so, that. So, like, I, mean, I should kiss this boy. Yes. I get I my I guess my curiosity there, because it's like I don't object to it. I'm just, I just would, it would be cool to see... Uh, and it just is not going to happen in 95. But, you know, a young girl recognize her sexuality and discuss it. Definitely. In any way. But I, I'm, I guess I'm just curious more from like a production standpoint of like, was that added after I'm Rolling King is told, listen, we are not going to have an out character in this movie. Like, was that I, my theory is no and here no. is why okay uh i want to go another kind of beat by beat analysis of this scene mm-hmm. um <laughs> and my theory comes at what happens at the end of this scene so roberta is shooting hoops the oldest wormer boy aka devon sawa shows up and she misses a shot he says you're not following through so he's mansplaining Ugh. to her mm-hmm. and then she says who asked you like so applause for Word. that yeah And then they start playing one-on-one basketball. She makes two shots. He makes zero shots. And then he's like, hey, you're pretty good at basketball and not just for a girl, Mm -hmm. which is not a compliment, but you don't realize that when you're 12 years old. Right. Right. And and then she just goes like, thank you. Yeah, she's like, thanks. (laughs) And I feel like if she was, just based on how we've seen her act already, if she was in a less forgiving mood... She would have yelled at him. Right. She would have yelled, fuck off. She's just like, I'm I'm not choosing this battle. Right. That was the vibe I got. Um, And then they sit down together, and he's like, I think you're a really nice girl. And she's like, I thought you always hated me. And he's like, so did I. And then he turns toward her and says, can I kiss you? And she says, what are you mumbling? And he says, can I kiss you? So he's, again, asking for consent. We Mm -hmm. do not often see this. Yes, I think three times total. Like, (laughs) right now. Oh, yeah, right. Because oh. she says, I guess. And then he zooms toward her and says, uh-huh. great, are you ready? And then she's like, oh, you want to do it now? And he's like, sure. I mean, if you want to. She says, okay. And then they kiss. And then he pulls away. He's exhilarated. So he's like, happy. Oh, that was great. And she says, 
it was okay. Yeah, she's underwhelmed. She was written as like a a queer young girl who Mm -hmm. doesn't totally know her sexuality yet, but again, because of societal norms, she thinks she's supposed to be kissing boys. And then she says, Scott, and he turns toward her like rapidly, ready for another kiss. And he's like, yeah. And she says, if you mention this to anyone, especially your brothers, I will beat the shit out of you. Yes. Um, I hope so. I mean, that would be be cool. I liked, I mean, I I did like that scene. Mm -hmm. I do agree with you. That's real. And especially in 1970, like, they wouldn't portray, I don't think, you know, a a woman or, you know, someone that's 12, like, I mean, especially in, like, the small town of Shelby, Indiana in 1970, I'm I'm guessing, again, I was not alive, but to be, like, an out queer teen or preteen would not have gone over well. For in sure. the community, I know, but I just, I just think you know, it's, it's, it's a movie, and we yeah. could have explored. It. I mean, but it becomes a null choice because they wouldn't allow it to appear in 1995. So why would Which, they allow it to appear in 1970? That's what's very frustrating to me about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even I, in 1995, they wouldn't. They no, wouldn't. Um, right. But then again, another thing that like a movie like Booksmart kind of course corrects is that yeah. we do and those characters a little bit older but we have and I don't remember the actor's name so Caitlin Deaver yes well done nailed it but that was like a big deal right like to portray not a big deal but it was like refreshing to see someone in high school being like this is this is not a big deal right it was be. extremely normalized yes yeah. yes yeah. which was um, so nice and, and that's the difference between mm-hmm. you know 2019 and 1995 exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Something interesting uh, I thought about this movie is it's a cult classic now, yes. but it was not received oh, well at all oh, yes. when it came out. It was very, very, very poorly reviewed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've got some pull quotes mm-hmm. here. Uh, I think the most common criticism is people are like, the vibe is kind of like all female reboot of Stand by Me. Oh yes, no, thank you. Which and and, and this is you know ninety five, so it's basically all white male reviewers yep. who are basically saying like, why would I've already seen this with boys, so I like it better. Mm-hmm. And like boyhood and girlhood, same diff to me because I only care about boys. <laughs> um, your your boy Roger Ebert. Oh, I think we came on our on the Matreon. I think we came across the first thing that Roger Ebert said that we've ever liked. <laughs> And about it was about Jack, Jack Frost. Frost. Just saying how Jeez. scary the puppet is. Yes. But he, he's, he has to say on this, the adult actresses are completely superfluous to the movie, which is a fully contrived stand-by-me kind of story. Like, he's just dismissive of, of literally every oh, yeah. part of the movie. And it's just contempt, disinterest. Why, why is this movie made? Who is it for? Which is the vibe you get from a lot of this you know period of a hundred years that there were basically only male reviewers yeah. of like you get the like who is this for when it's very clear who that it's is for, for for me and little Caitlin. girls it's yes so, and they're <laughs> obviously like, well i'm bored <laughs> yeah media for girls and women um, i have an even more frustrating quote from this same review by roger ebert um, what distinguished Stand By Me was the psychological soundness of the story. We could believe it and care about it. Now and Then is made of artificial bits and pieces. The director, Leslie Linka Gladder, says in the press notes that she started crying when she first read the script, quote, because it captured that delicate evolution from girlhood to womanhood, and you so rarely find that, end quote. 
Mm-hmm. I guess she didn't see Man in the Moon, which has so much more truth and tenderness How are we talking that about? it exposes now and then for what it is, a gimmicky sitcom, oh. end quote. Can you imagine a review aging worse? They're like, it's so <laughs> frustrating because it's so clear, like, what he's missing. Right. And he is so blissfully unaware of I what he's I can't believe missing. he's comparing. That's a dumb comparison. Ugh. I really hate that. Yeah, I am not so familiar bizarre. with that movie, but, uh, you know, Rob. Roger Ebert, again, safe to assume everything he says is basically is wrong. Terrible take. As, as it <laughs> pertains to gender. He's, we've found him to be universally correct about Jack Frost. <laughs> um, <laughs> but all of his takes on like it's not even that he has takes on gender. He just is blissfully unaware that movies are made for people other than him. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways. But yeah, this movie was uh, definitely not... Um, recognized in its time, but it, it was financially successful. Great, not gigantically financially successful, but it, but it did. You know, it turned a profit. Mm-hmm. I think it, you know, helped to continue to launch this new generation of young actresses' careers. Um, and it, I mean, it girls were starved for media for them at yes. this time and always and still. Yeah, just the it's if good. you look on Rotten Tomatoes right now, it only has a twenty eight percent fresh. But an 83% audience score, yes. which indicates cult classic. The reviewers didn't understand it. Yep, exactly. Um, I just wanted to quickly shout out Rumor Willis oh, is in this. Yes. Adorable. Um, so cute. As the little sister mm-hmm. uh, to Samantha, Samantha Gabby. <laughs> You'll Hoffman. get it. You'll get it by the uh, end I, of I the was show. like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> um, Brendan Fraser isn't credited. We don't know why. <laughs> What would be his credit? Creepy, hippie guy? Like, what would it you... literally says on the Wikipedia page, Brendan Fraser as Vietnam veteran, parentheses, uncredited. And you're just like, what? They're, um, <laughs> he informs them that although their parents are adults, they're not always right. And that is his narrative purpose. And we do not see him again. But shout out to, shout out to Brendan Fraser. Brendan. The uh, actor who played young Chrissy unfortunately passed away in 2007. Um, So R.I.P. Yeah, Um, she was she was so good in this movie. She was such a good performance. uh, I I wish that I guess I wish that there was a little more of the um, older group of women. I guess that like I like the framing device, but as adults, it felt like a few things kind of fell a little short mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, just... more now, less then. No, same amount of then, I would, but I more would, now. <laughs> I would have watched a little more movie to see a little more now. To yeah. quite, Because you're sort of like given this barrage of information at the end, or in the case of Roberta and Teeny, non-information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <gasps> Pitch. Okay, ready for yes. this? Go. We get... And unfortunately, there'll have to be some slight recasting with the actor who played young Chrissy, but mm-hmm. we get Thora Birch, Gabby Hoffman, and Christina Ricci yes. to play the adult versions in a reboot of this Ooh, film. This. And, then we, say and then we cast a new squad of young child actors to play the young counterparts of those characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, we update the, not that there are a ton, but some of the problematic things that are in this we movie. can we can let Roberta be out now. Yes, exactly. Like, we can uh, have more uh, characters of color, mm-hmm. which um, brings me to I wanted it to is... read a quote from an essay by Zoe Zamudzi. I might have very badly uh, butchered the pronunciation of that, but in a broadly article entitled "What White Girl Coming of Age Movies Don't Do for a Black Girl." Yeah. Quote. 
These films about white female adolescence and teenhood revolve around particular experiences of and meditations on dissatisfaction and boredom, using nostalgia as their primary pull. And yet for me, their projections of high school misery and endless summers only served as a reminder that black girls are never afforded the kind of ordinariness that would make them relatable to white audiences, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the thing with almost every coming-of-age movie ever. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that is something that I will continue to be mindful of. Yes. Um, and, as... pr- and unfortunately, it's like progress is still extremely slow on representing so slow. black yeah. girlhood at all, which is still very, very frustrating. I think that there's also something to be said for class as well where definitely we're we're given a very i mean and it's not it's not even anything against the movie it's just what we don't get in media at all it, like because we're seeing a solidly like middle class maybe even a little upper middle class mm-hmm. the scenic americana la la yeah. la we love it they they have problems but it's not the kind of problems that poor kids have right and you don't really see you know kids from lower classes yep. ever really represented in movies like this which is unfortunate because guess what they are also children yeah um <laughs> they're what you mean so, they are children. Uh, yes. but yeah i mean they're they're should I, I hope that we will continue to progress and get to see more reflections of of black girlhood of of girlhood from different uh you know from all walks of life yeah of non of like a uh, gender discovery and like exploring your gender and learning about your gender as your kid there's there's a lot of work to be done mm-hmm. definitely yeah um does anyone have any other thoughts about the movie i thought it was interesting that and maybe either of you have experienced this where you have a you know a circle of friends when you're younger and then a few stay back at like the original live, city keep living and a few don't yeah. and that's uh-huh. very i think a centric situation there where it was like two of them were like we got out of here and mm-hmm. then the other two were like we love it here and I that lo- was very funny to i me. really liked that especially because it seems like even though this wasn't quite their relationship when they were like Roberta and Chrissy become very codependent as adults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they seem, which definitely is something that happens. I liked how they were written as adults where like you kind of get the vibe from Samantha of like, oh, it's so weird here. I'm so glad I don't live here. And then you get the vibe from Chrissy of like, she's so weird. <laughs> like yeah. everyone like everyone is like, I am normal. Everyone else is a freak, which is how everyone feels. Right. right. And it was nice to see everyone get their moment in of mm-hmm. like when Chrissy's just like, what are you wearing? What are you doing? What is like, yeah. 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 I like oh, it. It's lovely. I like. I also liked how, uh, just like a, a line I liked was how they described uh, Teenie's parents. They basically are, you know, explaining what Teenie's deal is. She's mm-hmm. hyper feminine. She wants to be an actor. She wants to be a performer. And then Samantha says, this is a typical upbringing for actors and pathological liars. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. Um, yep. Teeny, who, by the way, has a very fluffy white cat. And I just does. want this to serve as a reminder that cats do have eight nipples. And that's Cat Facts with Caitlin. <laughs> Alfred Molina could have. Yes, tell me. He should. I, I won't take this role from Brendan Fraser because 
he I, needs it. He needs it. Is, it. He needs it because he always needs it. But like, <laughs> it's also weirdly a very Brendan Fraser role where uh-huh. you're just like, yeah, Brendan Fraser could just wander in here. Like that's his vibe is he could just wander in. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he <laughs> rolled on set and was ready he to rock. Tr- I'm like, was this scripted? Like, did he just come on and improvise? And was like, don't credit me. I yeah. don't want to be paid for this. Like, he like just, threw the script away. He's I like, love, I don't need it. I'm love, doing it. Love Brendan Fraser. Maybe maybe Alfred Molina could have been pete i think he should have played the <laughs> he could have played pete with a lot more pathos i think that alfred melina would have really been like if you if you need an actor who could convince us that pete didn't kill his family you gotta bring alfred in melina, melina. Oh, see man. i think alfred melina should have played the youngest wormer boy oh my god <laughs> they just have a 40 year old man in their crew <laughs> yeah like like Pen fifteen style. Yeah, he just plays Devin Sawa's best friend. Oh, I love it. I love all of those. Girls can't play softball. You're like, is that Alfred Molina? <laughs> oh my god. He's like, hit it over my head. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, this movie is this movie is a treat. It, it is. really is, and it and it for for 1995, it's doing a whole lot of things right. Indeed, indeed, it is. Yeah. Um, and as we hinted at before, it absolutely passes the Bechdel test mm-hmm. almost constantly i don't think you ever see two men or two boys talking to each other really or if they do it's only for In a passing. very small amount of time on screen but it is mostly girls and women interacting with each other so uh not something you see very much but no. now and then delivers it was fun i think i just like sometimes i'm just like you know what coming of age i did it Mm-hmm. I don't need to see it again. I, I understand. But I'm glad it exists, and I'm especially glad that it existed in its time for, for like, just, like, girls getting to see themselves on screen in any way, shape, or form yeah. is positive. Although it did make Callie a smoker. But it, <laughs> but she looked really cool. I mean, the she intro, really it's cool. like she's smoking with the windows up, okay? Uh-huh. And then there's, mm-hmm. like, it points to, like, a map. Yeah. And there's a carton of Marlboros. I'm just like, I know the constantly smoking. Yeah. Her like ashtray has like 40 butts in it. And she's like, (laughs) I chose a bad week to stop smoking. And, but she, and she is like the cool one of the adults. smoking in the backyard with their Mm -hmm. pregnant friend. I'm just like, yeah, smoke them if you got them. Jeez, baby. There, I also just, this is like a very like side thought, but I, when they were in the limo driving to, also it's like, could you reunite these women over a more stereotypical woman thing other than like, she's about to give birth. Yes. That's true. Yeah. Which was something that I was like, ding, but this movie does so much right that I gave it a pass. Yeah. But when they're in the stolen limo going to somewhere, <laughs> I'm not totally sure where they are in that birth scene. Maybe it was like a, a midwifery something like that. Because she know, has where they make like an I- midwives. There's an IV, so they're not just like anywhere. And Rosie Donald's wearing scrubs, yeah. so I'm like, but I'm like, where? Yeah, maybe, maybe it's, it's like just a, a very comfortable hospital. Maybe she owns the hospital. Maybe it's her own oh, hospital. Her home hospital. It's a small town. You never know. Um, but but I liked just that. I thought the scene of them in the limo was really funny. Where first it seems like Rosie O'Donnell like sort of improvised part where she's like, "Hey, look, it's your uncle." Just kidding. Just, no, no, it's, it's not. not. I was like, "What was that?" <laughs> it was just like really. F- and Rita Wilson is. She's like 
great. And VCR, look. <laughs> She's so fun. I know. I was just like, what are they? Are they going to watch something? And then <laughs> I'd Rosie be impressed like, by VCR in a, in a limo, too. I wouldn't I'm be sure. surprised if Rita Wilson and Rosie O'Donnell are just like friends because it seemed like they were sometimes talking about stuff that had nothing to do with anything. She's like, it's a VCR. And she's like, is there a remote? And they're just like, what are you guys talking about? Uh, it was, yeah. A great passing of the Bechdel test, I think. It was, it was great. <laughs> While she's in labor, too. <laughs> Um, giving birth to a, a, a bloody placenta a baby. Bloody placenta. And there is like four people in that delivery room and no husband. Yeah. Right. I'm just, just cool. We don't need yeah. him. Well, that was my, I, maybe that was my other thing. I was like, it didn't look like a hospital room. And it's very rare that there's just one person attending a birth. Mm-hmm. It's usually like two or three. Yeah. As far as like, you mean medical, like medical personnel? Medical yeah. professionals. Yeah. Right. Not just like friends people just, yeah like yeah. you got this rosie right You're on like your and own. like usually it's you know like there's a few people oh, she's yeah. just that good she is she doesn't need anybody else <laughs> like maybe there's ran out of budget at the end they're like just reuse the house set no one will know <laughs> we only I have know. one set of scrubs this right. is it yeah. <laughs> this is all we got uh should we rate the movie on our nipple scale sure okay so zero to five nipples based on its representation of women i will give this a solid four yeah, I have to deduct some nippleage based on the fact that it makes absolutely no attempt whatsoever to meaningfully include any people of color. It did make an attempt to meaningfully include queerness, but because of homophobia in the 90s, uh, audiences are like, boo! So that had to be removed from the story. And the narrative making the choice to characterize Chrissy in such a way that it is often fat shaming her yeah. um, is not something we like to see. But overall, I think it does a pretty spectacular job, especially for 95, mm-hmm. in showing a coming of age story of tween girls and their lives and the issues that they would face it's uh so relatable so much realism in the way they're characterized and uh their friendships i love that you never see like they have conflict within their group sometimes but it's never about anything like petty or anything like that the way that yeah. uh, we see like girls hating each other for no reason and it feels realistic for the age too the reasons they have problems with each other seem both realistic and age appropriate exactly yes yeah. that's what I'm trying to say yeah yeah it's just a really wonderful female driven story that you know has some issues that have been kind of I think course corrected in comparable coming of age stories since even, like, this came out even Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants I feel like course corrects a few things that happen here that don't happen yeah. in there and that's like 10 years later right so incremental progress exactly yeah. Um, but yeah four nipples and I'll just make it easy give one to each of the four characters I'm gonna go four nipples too um, yeah I think that it's just for all the reasons you, you just described I think it's like a really not just like a movie that made progress but move, a movie you can trace being used as a template in future movies and being updated for times as, as things become less societally taboo. I appreciate mm-hmm. that I'm Marlene King wanted to include a queer storyline in mm-hmm. here. She does that in Pretty Little Liars. Oh, good. Is every relationship, of regardless of gender, in Pretty Little Liars deeply toxic? 
Yes, but <laughs> there are all, there is all sort every kind of toxic relationship is explored on that show. Um, yeah, I think that it's like a huge step. I'm glad that it sort of stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, ma male critics very often don't get it. Um, it's really nice seeing. I mean, it's, it's a very like solid middle class white girlhood that's reflected. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, that tends to be where... Um, at least right now, where people start with like it's always the, the first thing that they're comfortable yep. even seeing reflected. So it's you know progress need, will continue to be built upon the work that this movie did, and mm -hmm. so and it's just it's it's I really I really liked it. I like yeah. that scene in the limo a lot. <laughs> uh, four nippies. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give one to each two. Now they both got a full set, Good. or all four of them do. Callie, yeah. I agree. Four nipples for all the reasons that you guys listed. I really hate that there's no people of color, basically, except for them stealing that gentleman's fucking car. Yeah. yeah. Why couldn't he? They've just let him drive his own limo. To, he offered. He's Why like, couldn't he have I'll been get involved? you there. He, and they're like, no. It's his car, man. It's he, his. Can, he knows the ins and outs. Yeah. Um, that was very frustrating. But I, I want to give a nipple to Johnny's mom. Because, like, where the fuck is she? Oh, but, dear, John, dear Johnny. Right. Dear Johnny. Yeah, yeah why don't they care her about tombstone. her murder? Nobody cares about her. But honorable mention nipple to her, but four for all the ladies, each okay, one. Great. Oh my god. Yes, she deserves she deserves nipples at very least after her husband killed her like that. <laughs> yeah, and then went out drinking all night. What a dick. The reboot also has to address like what actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> True. Ghosts are real in the reboot too. No no tractor, no none of that. No okay. big gush no of wind <laughs> spinning no your telescope. That's around. another thing I'm really King course corrects on. She's like, you know what, I I was hesitant on the supernatural in now and then. I've really gotta let it loose. Spirits are oh, among I us. I guess I gotta watch Pretty Little Liars. I would be fascinated. To, you you will hate it, <laughs> but I would be fascinated to live tweet. Uh, hear you live okay. tweet. I'll watch the pilot. I'll live tweet. That student the show. hooks up with a teacher. It's oh, illegal uh -oh. and it is statutory. Oh, no. First episode. Oy, um, oy, oy. I always confuse that show and Big Little Lies. So um, um, no, Pretty Little Liars is like a CW style right. or it's ABC Family. I think technically uh -huh. or Freeform, whatever the fuck. They're calling it yeah it's it's like it's it's a teen teen like it's like toxic teenage content the cool. channel great i love it <laughs> the channel the channel yeah incredible well kelly thank you so much for being here thank you thanks for joining us uh where can people follow your work follow you online i have my photography instagram which is at callie b photo yes. and i have a circus archive instagram that's just a collection of my grandpa's photos and my mom's photos and my own photos and you could read more about it on there but it's at circus.stories it's awesome and it's really cool yeah it's just a bunch of old film circus photos and then they get newer as we age me okay. and then my mom now and it's then. like now and yeah. then it is like now and then That's wow crazy. time who yeah. knew it's a contract <laughs> it's a circle yeah it's a circus it's a circus, um, a circle and a circus ring wow the circus of life okay uh thank you again so much for joining us uh you can follow us at Bechtelcast on the social media places. You can subscribe to our Patreon, a.k.a. our Matreon. Mm -hmm. It's $5 a month, and it gets you two bonus episodes every month, plus our entire backlog of bonus episodes. So now 
it's the best time to check out our Patreon. I love you guys. Uh-huh. Dear Joni. Now, <laughs> and when this is then, uh-huh. 25 years from now, we, we come back. <gasps> okay. Yeah. Get in the limo. No one has to give birth, but one of us does have to pretend. Okay. That's the rule. I volunteer as tribute. Okay. Can we live I'll in the cool treehouse? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. We all yes. have to get a treehouse. That treehouse was gigantic. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll timeshare it. Okay. Uh-huh. We'll good, rent it out. Call. Yeah. Right. Perfect. All right. We love you. I love you guys. Bye. Bye. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.